And now, get ready to smile again with radio's home folks, Crisco's Vic and Sade. It's late afternoon as we enter the small house halfway up in the next block now. And here in the living room, we find Mr. Victor Gook and Mr. Rush Gook. Father and son are seated on opposite sides of the library table, competing in a somewhat sluggish game of rummy. Listen. Why, his cards run in streaks. By George, last time we played, I got dealt spread after spread after spread. This afternoon, my pasteboards are rotten as a horse. <laughs> How the heck can an individual win a game when luck is against him? What's the matter? Nothing. I thought I heard a noise in the kitchen. <laughs> What'd you lunge for? I wasn't aware I lunged. Almost jumped out of your chair. Why don't you discard? Uh, there you are. Eight of diamonds. Yeah, rummy tickets run in streaks. I haven't been dull a decent hand since we sat down. Rooster Davis's big brother, Rotten, has got a theory on that topic. Rooster Davis's big brother, Rotten, figured it out. <laughs> hey, what are you so nervous about? Is that your mother? Did you hear are you okay, Joe? Yes? It's your mother. I know it. She's home now. Hey, what's eating you, guys? I say. Hi. We're playing rummy. Are you? Yeah, me and Rush are playing rummy. Rush has to go to the grocery store. Rush has to go to the grocery store. <laughs> For guys, they go. You talk Jump like Jump up you're... and help your mother with her packages. Got packages, huh, kiddo? Wash rags. Bought three dozen of them. Yams and cut the price right down to the bone. Never mind, Willie. I'll take them upstairs with me when I go. We've been playing rummy. Have you? Yeah. Warm as toast downtown. Just like summer. Ruthie and I saw fellas running around in just the shirt sleeves. What's the matter? Why? <laughs> You're grinning so foolish. He's been acting peculiar ever since you got home. Oh, say, did Miss Apparat telephone? Not since I've been home. Who was home first? Gov. She telephoned? Oh, Miss Apparat? Yeah. Did you explain I was downtown shopping? No. No, what? She didn't telephone? Yes. Oh, Land. Well, she didn't telephone. Well, what did you say yes for, then? Yes. Yes, I asked if she telephoned. You said yes. No. No? Yes. Hey, what ails you? I got something very, very funny to tell you. What is it? I got the best of Mr. Bullard. Is he in town? Not now. Went back to Chicago on the 255. Why, George, maybe he'll make the acquaintance of Smelly Clark's Uncle Strap. He went to Chicago on the 255 today. How'd you get the best of him? <laughs> we made a bet and I won. <laughs> uh, Beck, what you been up to? Huh? I never seen a person act so guilty in my life. What do you mean, guilty? Your father knock over my cut glass fig and apple platter? Not that I know of. Well, what have you done? What's the idea of all this cross-questioning? I made a bet with Beller, Buller and when? It struck me funny. <laughs> struck you awful funny. Well, it did. You have to go to the store, Willie. Okay. Did strike me awful funny. I want potatoes. Can you carry a peck? Sure. Say, it did strike me awful funny. When you feel like telling whatever it is you got up your sleeve, go right ahead. I got nothing up my sleeve. All there is to it, Buller and I made this little wager, and he come through with a five-dollar hat. Struck me funny. Hat? Yeah, I bought me a hat to pay off the bed. You bring it home with you? Of course. Where is it? Hallway on the banister. Go get it, Rush. Oh, I don't often get the best of Buller. He's an awful cagey old warthog. So it tickled me pink this afternoon when he come off the dirty end of the stick. It's a broad-brimmed hat, ain't it? Why, let's see. Yes. Yes, I believe it is a broad-brimmed hat. Bought at Cleaburgers? I think Buller did patronize Cleaburgers. Uh-huh. What's the matter? Why? 
looking at me like I just stole a horse. Hey, man, this is the kind of a hat you told Garvey couldn't wear. Got a big broad brim. <laughs> Giant laughing to see on his face, kiddo. See, he hates to lose. <laughs> Let's see that one. Certainly nice and new. Genuine five dollar dip. Notice the warp on it. Warp? Woof. Woof? Well, warp or woof or nap or lap or finish or whatever you want to call it. I mean the surface. See what a nice sheen it's got? Sheen? You don't seem to be very sharp in the wits today, Toadstool. A real quality hat, wouldn't you say? Vic, you don't think I'm a complete idiot, do you? Huh? You certainly couldn't have thought I'd be taken in by this. Taken in by what? Such a simple little business I never come across. I haven't the slightest notion. Little Charlie Hush, you're three years old, could see through it. (laughs) Whatever you're talking about is too... Scheme to bring home a broad-brimmed hat, thinking if you said you want it on a bed, Mom would let you keep it. Is that what you think, say? You appreciate what I think. Is that really what you think? Little Charlie Husher could see through it. Well, that's the funniest thing I ever heard of in my life. <laughs> Absolutely the funniest thing I ever heard of in my life. It goes back. It goes back? goes back. And after this, when you try to deceive a person, you'd better think up a smarter stunt. <laughs> me and Buller made a bet, and he had to buy me a broad-brimmed hat. Why didn't you say you found your broad-brimmed hat hanging on a tree? Or you saved a lady from drowning and she give you a broad-brimmed hat to show her gratitude? Sadie, you're making a pretty serious charge. I'll say. Now listen, please get it in your head once and for all. You can't wear a broad-brimmed hat. Makes you look like a wild western cowboy that had been stepped on by an elephant. Fred Stenbottom told you that. Since when did any of Fred Stenbottom's half-witted opinions mean a snap of my little finger? Everybody's can... told you you can't wear a hat with a wide brim. Everybody? I believe there's a few stray souls in Detroit, Michigan, who is yet haven't informed me that I can't wear a I broad told brim. you, Fred told you, Ruthie told you, Ike Neesuffer told you, even the clerk in Cleaburgers told you. Since I'm the party who will wear the hat, it's hardly the concern of Fred and Ruthie and Ike and the, the rest of them yet. In fact, the Cleaburgers. No. Yes. Look, this hat amounts to practically a gift for Mr. Bullock. You can't return a gift to the store and collect the money. What you and Mr. Buller bet about? Bet about? Yes. Bet about. Why do you have to buy you a hat? Because he lost. Lost what? Lost the bet. Well, what did you bet about? Bet about? Oh, my. What my means, guys. He, bet he could tie his shoe faster. Tie his shoe faster? Faster than me. Now, Vic, really. He bet he could tie his shoe faster than I could, so we bet a hat, and I tied my shoe faster, and he tied his shoe, and... and me. Where did all this excitement take place? In my office. You were uh, sitting in your office talking business? Why? Why? I'm asking you a question. You were sitting in your office talking business when this happened? Yes. Mm-hmm. You were sitting in your office talking business, and all of a sudden, out of a clear sky, Mr. Buller said he bet he could tie his shoe faster than you could tie yours? Yes. You actually expect me to believe that? Well, doggone it, Sadie. Come on, Willie. You... We'll go out in the kitchen and make out a list of what I want from the store. Doggone it, Sadie. Well, I do we have to keep on with this? I demand. The thing about it that bothers me is you think I'm so simple. Little three-year-old Charlie Husher wouldn't have been fooled. Why, I knew you had something up your sleeve when I walked in the room. You acted guilty as the bullet that choked Billy Patterson. 
And then that talky-talk about two important businessmen sitting in their office discussing enormous big affairs and one of them all of a sudden jumping up and hollering he bet he could tie his shoe real fast. Did I say somebody jumped up and hollered? Come on, Willie. Did I say somebody jumped up and hollered? Want to come out in the kitchen with us and talk about what it tastes good for supper? No. You want to stay in here? No. What do you want to do? No. I say, what do you want to do? I said no. I said no, and I meant no. <laughs> Which concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up in the next block. And there we leave. Chris goes Vic and Sade until the next time. It's late afternoon as our scene opens now, and here in the living room of the small house halfway up in the next block, we find all our friends assembled. Sade is seated on the Davenport sewing. Young Rush lounges in his father's easy chair, and Vic stands beside the library table removing his overcoat, for he's just this moment arrived home from the office. Listen. Did you glance through my lodge magazine? Your lodge magazine? Why, I haven't even seen it. Didn't you come this afternoon? Golly, I guess I never looked in the mailbox. We must have come. Like me suffers come. They all get mailed together. Uh, go see, Dr. Sleeps. Okay. Say, well, I think of it, you said I could have a dime if I... Not along to the mailbox. I'll take up trivial business matters, lady. It's not trivial to me. My financial condition is... Oh, more. Kiddo, guess what? They printed your picture? They printed my picture. And not only my picture, but individual pictures of the entire membership of the All-Star Marching Team. Oh, the whole push. Won't it be interesting to see what the different guys look like? I've seen some of them, you know. Oh, that's right, you have. Robert and Snobbert Hink. Robert and Snobbert Hink and Y.Y. Flirts. Oh, sure. And you, of course. I've seen you. Yeah. Well, I'm certainly anxious to look at the photographs. There's five members of the All-Star Martian team I've never set eyes on. Oh, you haven't seen the magazine yet? No, like me suffered told me it arrived today. Mailman delivered his this morning. Uh-huh. Of the roster of the all-star marching team or the sacred stars of the Milky Way, I've met myself, of course. Y.Y. Flirch, J.J.J.J. Stunbolt, Robert and Slobbert Pink, and H.K. Fleaver. How many is that? Six? Yeah, six. Oh, only these four I haven't met. I said five. I guess I counted myself as a guy I hadn't met. <laughs> so, let's see, who's left? Um, O.H. Jellyman. O.H. Bellyman. Uh-huh. O.H. Bellyman of Detroit, Michigan. He's one. Homer U. McGancy of East Brain, Oregon. He's two. And Harry Fye and I, Edson Box of Lesser Nebraska, round out the four. We are done. Okay. Let's see where we are here. No other mail, was it? Uh-uh. Ah. Hey, 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 hey. Find what you were hunting for? Yep. Here, let me sit beside you on the Davenport, then we can both look. Yeah, I want to look, too. Okay, then I'll get in the middle. Spot old Vic Cook, friends? Yeah. See Papa, Market Basket? Uh Uh-huh. Third picture down from the top. I jumped right out at you, don't I? Well, that's about as nice a photograph as you ever had taken. I always liked it. Ruthie likes it, too. 
The other day we were glancing hey, over. Hey, what's number four? Where? Here. It's not a man. It's all blurred. Yeah. I can see teeth and hair and eyes, but the face is all funny. Could be a kangaroo or a chipmunk. Let's see, who is number four? I think the little paragraphs down below correspond with the numbers, and you can tell which is which by comparing. I know, I know, foolish. Oh, Homer, you McDancy. Which one's he? Halfwit magazine editors made a botch of his picture. Resembles either a kangaroo or a chipmunk. You may reserve your comments, Spice Rider. So that's Homer U. McDancy. Hmm? Mm, Sloppiness. I'll say. Ooh, look at them starey big white eyes. If I were Homer U. McDancy, I'd raise Cain about this. Let's see what the little biographical sketch says. Who's the little boy there in the corner? Yeah. I never knew you had kids on your marching team. Homer U. McDancy, East Green, Oregon. Sky Brother McDancy is not only an accomplished marcher, but an author as well. His latest work, a manual for wives of members of the lodge, is enjoying great current popularity. Mr. McDancy is engaged in the wholesale poultry business in East Brain and is widely respected for his civic leadership. Well, that's okay. Holy smoke, this horrible picture. Who's the little boy? Where? In the corner there. Number 10. Oh, Sunday. Well, maybe the biographical sketch will explain this nonsense. Uh-huh. This is uh, Harry Five. Sky brother Harry Fye of Leicester, Nebraska, is famous for his knowledge of plain and fancy parading. He has taken hikes 40 to 50 miles in length. A barber by trade, Mr. Fye is an enthusiastic ice skater and high diver. The photograph reproduced above was taken when Mr. Fye was a four-year-old lad. Well, that does explain it. Sloppiness. Number seven is a bicycle. Here's Robert and Slobbert Hink side by side. Well, I believe it's the same identical picture printed twice. Number eight is an old lady. Yeah, for Robert and Slobbert Hink, they got the same picture printed twice. You can't Listen tell Listen to me. what it says about old Victor. Victor R. Gook, Sky Brother Gook, in addition to being an active live wire worker in the lodge, is an expert marcher and a profound authority on the science of parade procedure. Mr. Gook is the exalted Big Dipper of our drowsy Phoenix chapter. He holds a responsible position with the Consolidated Kitchenware Company. We are proud of men like him. <laughs> well, they really laid it on. Yeah, you got the longest paragraph on the page. Uh-huh. Twice as long as anybody else's. Uh, number seven is a bicycle. I want to know about Robert and Slobbert. You can't tell me these two pictures ain't the same identical picture printed twice. Why, a baby. What a rotten, little, skimpy, stingy biographical sketch they give J.J.J.J. Stunbolt. Listen, J.J.J.J. Stunbolt. Sky Brother Stunbolt is a native of Leicester, Nebraska. He hangs wallpaper. Well, he's short. Editor must have it in for Stunbolt. Good picture of him, though. See the ball-headed man with eyeglasses and... Thick black ribbon. Uh-huh. Uh, number seven is a bicycle. Yeah, Vic, number seven's a bicycle. Look up number seven. What kind of foolishness is this now? <laughs> Anybody that resembles a bicycle ought to be in the circus. Everything oh, That who number seven is? Yeah. Shucks. What's it say about him? Oh, ex Bellyman. Thy brother Bellyman was born in Detroit, Michigan, and has lived there all his life. Marching is his one great hobby... 
and he can be seen almost any Saturday afternoon heading for California, New Mexico, or other southwesterly points. He takes plenty long marches. I wouldn't want to march from Michigan to California. Mr. Bellman is also an accomplished musician, being proficient on the flute, banjo, saw, and kettle drums. At the end of the paragraph? Yeah. Well, don't it explain why they printed this picture of a bicycle? No. Mm-hmm. Sloppiness. Who is this old old lady? Yeah, who is she? Uh, I had some box. She dressed up for a masquerade or something? Uh, I had some box. Sky Brother Box, like several other members of the All-Star Marching Team, resides in Lester, Nebraska. At the present time, he is enthusiastically looking forward to his marriage with Miss Gilly McDermott, the ceremony to take place early in the year 1948. Is, is this old lady, Miss Gilly McDermott? No. Mr. Box, when solicited for his photograph, showed great modesty and reluctance preferring to send a snapshot of his dear mother. Oh, that's the way of it. Mm. Why, why, Furch looks natural. Yes, he does. What's it say about him? Uh, why, why, Flourish. Sky Brother Flourish, another distinguished resident of Leicester, Nebraska, loves marching better than anything on earth. He is also fond of asparagus, gravy, walnuts, and pie. Very skimpy right up. Yeah. Look here, don't you think these two pictures of Robert and Slobbert Hink are one and the same picture? Yeah. I know they're twins and all, but they're not this much twins. Uh-huh. Couldn't be this much twins. Uh-oh. These two pictures are one and the same picture and absolutely no mistake about it. Sloppiness. Sloppiness all the way through. You said a while ago you were especially anxious to look at these photographs because there were several men you'd never set eyes on and... You wanted to get an idea of their appearance. Yeah, I did. Who are the men you have seen? Well, myself, of course. Robert and Starbert Hink, Mm -hmm. J.J.J.J. Stunbolt, Y.Y. Flirch, and H.K. Fleabert. Six. These four you haven't seen. And they're the ones you're especially interested in, ain't they? Yeah. What's their names? Well, Homer U. McGancy. He's all blurred. Resembles a kangaroo or a chipmunk. Can't get a very good notion of his appearance. Well, I had some box. He sent in a picture of his mother. <laughs> Guess she'll have to remain in the dark about what I had some box looks like. Who else? Harry Fye. This shows Harry Fye when he was four years old. Yeah. Who else? O.X. Bellyman. Well, the only clue we got to what O.X. Bellyman looks like is his picture of a bicycle. Sloppy. I agree. Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Which concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up in the next block.